Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's Good in Hockey. So tonight, I thought we could talk about um, the uh, tomorrow's game. Today is March second, two thousand twenty, and the Blackhawks have a game tomorrow on March third against the Anaheim Ducks. Now, and I'm also going to talk be talking about the season ahead, and as well as some games that I might be interested in coming up in the week ahead. So first off, let's talk about tomorrow's game. So the uh, Blackhawks are um, coming off a road trip against this to uh, play the Ducks at home. The road trip lasted for four games. The uh, Blackhawks went... um, The Blackhawks split their um, road trip. They're coming off two consecutive wins against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and against the Florida Panthers. The uh, former of those games was, you know, featured Dominic Kubelik's first hat trick. So the Hawks split the two games 2 2 and 0. And. That's what's going on in in um, Hawksville, hockey town rather. I gotta say that probably the uh, most chaotic game. There was a pretty chaotic game against the uh, Blues. The Hawks ended up losing six to five, but that was an insane game. Hawks blew another lead that game. You know what's new, right? So let's talk about tomorrow's game. Hawks are playing the Ducks. And let's take a look and analyze this game. First, let's take a look at how each of these teams stacks up. Okay, so let's start with points in terms of skaters. Patrick Kane leads the Blackhawks with 78 points. I mean, that's obviously not surprising given Patrick Kane is, well, probably one of the best stars ever, like the NHL's ever seen, and one thing I will say is that by the time he retires, he'll probably be the best American player ever. In second place is Jonathan Taves with, with uh, 56 points. And third place is the rookie, Dominic Kubelik, with 44 points. Now, this took me by surprise when I first saw it. That uh, if the uh, point leader on the Anaheim Ducks were to be a member of the Blackhawks, they tied for he tied for fourth. The lead, the points leader for the Anaheim Ducks is Ryan Getzlaff, with forty points. Adam Hen- Adam Henrique is second place with thirty nine points, and Richard Raquel is third place with thirty five points. In terms of how our, of how our two goalies stack up, it's expected to be tomorrow. Is expected to be a match between John Gibson and Corey Crawford. Crawford has a GAA of 2.84 and a save percentage of 0.915 over the course of the season. Gibson has a has a GAA of 2.99 and a save percentage of 0.904. Defenseman leaders in scoring are Keith with 22 points, Murphy with 19, and Mata 16 for the Hawks. And for the Ducks, 
Fowler with 29 points, Lindholm with 22, and Delzado with 13. In, in terms of where things stand now, the Hawks and the Ducks, <clears throat> neither of them are looking all that great. The Blackhawks currently have 66 points, 65 games in, with a record of 29-28-8. That's 29 wins, 28 regulation losses, and 8 overtime losses. And by the way, shootout losses, if you're not, if you're not like familiar with hockey, shootout losses count as overtime losses. The Anaheim Ducks have played 65 games. They have 60 points through those games. And they have a record of 26-31-8. That's 26 wins, 31 regulation losses, and 8 overtime losses. The Blackhawks have 20 regulation wins, the Ducks 18. Regulation with overtime wins, the Blackhawks have 25, the Ducks have 21. The goal differential for the Hawks is minus, is minus 12, and for the Ducks it's minus 37. The Hawks are 4-6-0 oh, even over their past 10 games, but they've won two straight. The uh, Ducks... Are four, five, and one in their past ten, but they're coming off a loss. And so, with that in mind, let's analyze this game. So, these so th- these two teams have competent goalies. I mean, they've had pretty bad records, but that's partially because of the fact that you know they haven't been too great this year. I mean. The Ducks only have a few defensemen I've really heard about. Well, they have, well, most of them I've heard about because, you know, I'm a big hockey fan. But uh, a lot of these numbers ain't good, at least on the Ducks' side. I mean, for the Hawks, it's obviously pretty bad. But for the Ducks, you have five players, five separate defensemen who have a plus-minus below zero. In case you're not familiar, plus-minus is, like, how many... Goals your team scores while you're on the ice against the number of goals the opposing team scores while you're on the ice. So plus minus could be a good indicator of like if you're not all that good or whatever. But it's also but of course it's not the only factor. There's a bunch of other stats that you could also take into account as well. So I predict that this game would We'll have a, maybe a moderate amount of scoring. Maybe about um, six goals, maybe. Or probably more likely five. And how the game will go will probably depend on the Hawks' strategy. As I said last game, the Hawks really have two choices as to how to approach the rest of the season. Especially with the moralizing wins against... Um, Tampa Bay and Florida, both of them not bad teams in their own rights, by the way. Tampa Bay is actually third in the league, and we beat them at the, on their home ice. Florida's been on a little bit of a slide lately, but they're not terrible either. They're 33-26-7, and they're still very much in the conversation in the playoff race. Well, maybe they won't be as if they keep sliding like they have been. In their last 10, they're 3-6-1, which isn't good. But if the Hawks, but if this is, like, for real, I mean, the Hawks are only, like, six points out of a playoff spot. So the current second wildcard team in the Western Conference is the Nashville Predators. 
this changes a lot. This whole thing changes a lot, partially because the uh, Pacific Division is wide open. Well, Vegas is at the top. Maybe somewhat comfortably, they're they are uh, four points above the Oilers. But a lot of these teams can change around. The uh, so that means the Hawks are only six points out of a playoff spot. Second is the and Nashville has seventy two points. But Nashville does have a game in hand. So it is an uphill road, but. If the Hawks really, really, really want to make a push for it, they could, maybe. But they'd have, they'd have to really play their hearts out, and it still might not even be enough to make the playoffs. But you also have to take into consideration that the Ducks aren't very good either, and they probably they almost certainly won't be making the playoffs. It's kind of strange. None of the California teams are really good this year at all. Usually one California team is good. So, uh, honestly, I would probably say that the Hawks would win somewhere along the lines of 3-2. Corey Crawford's probably going to put up another clinic. Even though it seems to me that the offense for the Ducks isn't exactly high-octane because, you know, not too many points have been scored. I mean, when your leading goal scorer has fewer points than Kubelik who is, like, third place on the Hawks list in terms of points scored, then I don't think your offense is all that great. So I think the Hawks will probably take this one. And uh, with that in mind, let's take a look at the road trip that the Hawks just finished up, leading into this moment. So starting off the road trip in Dallas... The Hawks have just come off a 2-1 win against the Predators at home. The Hawks end up losing 2-1 to the Stars in a pretty tightly contested game. Corey Crawford played a pretty great game. But ultimately, it was just a battle of goaltending, and I guess Corey Crawford didn't win that one. Well, I don't guess he didn't win that one. St. Louis Blues, that game was insane. The Hawks had a 3-1 lead at one point. But they couldn't do anything with it. They blew it. That's That's been, like, the story for many Hawks games recently. Hawks have blown leads. And simply that's it. Like, the Hawks have been blowing leads all year. There are many games they should have won that they weren't able to win because they blew leads. Now, the game against the Lightning, I would say, is uh, was probably one of the Hawks' most complete performances all year. They only let in two goals. Corey Crawford played out, played out of his mind. And the offense showed a lot of life. It showed dynamite life in that game. Five unanswered goals. Absolutely insane. And against one of the league's best teams, nonetheless. And on their home turf. On their home ice. Now, granted, the, the Bolts weren't playing with... Uh, Vasilevsky in that they were playing with Curtis McElhinney in that. I mean, he's like the perpetual underachiever. I mean, I don't have anything against him, but it seems like he's been nothing. He's been like a journeyman all his career. I mean, good for him. He's with the Lightning. They're a really good team. But, and uh, even though they'll probably choke like they usually do. I mean, uh, pretty, I'm pretty sure everyone remembers that... Uh, 
choke against Columbus last year. And the entire hockey world except Lightning fans laughed at the Lightning. We know we don't we know you don't want to hear what we have to say. That was just damage control. Absolute damage control in full force. Lightning fans were angry. But that was a good win against a really good team. Shows that this team can compete. And another good game against Florida. Not as great as the Lightning, but they're still in the playoff conversation. Um, it was another complete game for the Hawks. I mean, their offense didn't show like as much. Like, life didn't, they didn't set up as many dynamic scoring chances. But uh, they did get the job done in the shootout, partially thanks to, uh, well, thanks to uh, Jonathan Tape's 50th career shootout goal and Patrick Kane's immaculate hands. Patrick Kane basically has Pavel Dotsuk hands. He's been absolutely wrecking the shootout his entire career. Like, like goalies probably just don't know what to do. And that move that he pulled against, uh, against Bobrovsky... He had Bobrovsky thinking that he was going to go around him and try to shoot in an empty net, in an empty space. But, but, and because of that, Bobrovsky left the five-hole open. And Kaner just tucked him through the five-hole. That's just masterful. He has, he has excellent play reading skills. He can move the puck. Abs- he can move the puck brilliantly. He's got excellent stick handling. There was even a video where he did, like, where he, like, moved the puck around, like, a bunch of pucks laid on the ice. It was a while ago. It was like 2012, 2013. Just shows you how great, how, you know, how great his hands are. So that's what we're facing now coming into Anaheim. For those, of, for those Blackhawks fans who want the Hawks to try and make a, play, make a playoff push, then I'd say momentum is kind of facing the Hawks in a good way. I mean, obviously the Hawks are playing the Ducks. They're not a good team, so the Hawks could easily win that. But then again, the Hawks could lose. Hawks have been pretty inconsistent this year. Then the Hawks will play, will play the Oilers, who are a pretty good team this year. They'll probably underachieve like they usually do. But that's beside the point. They are playing the Oilers at home, though. The uh, Hawks will pl- then travel to Detroit to play the Red Wings. And according to Roto-Wire, the, uh, Hawk, the um, Malcolm Subban could uh, get his first start for the Hawks in, in the Hawks uniform against the Red Wings. Honestly, it would make more sense of a Crawford against the Oilers because the Oilers are like a better team. And there's no question that Crawford's the better goalie of the two between him and Subban. But it also wouldn't make sense to, put, to play Crawford two games in a row back-to-back. So Subban would probably start with Detroit, but we'll see what happens. I'm really excited for that Hawks-Wings game because that's always a great game. Then the Hawks return home to play the Blues. Then the Sharks and the Senators. They got to break on those two teams. But after they play the Senators, they travel to D.C. to play the Capitals. Hawks play the Sens and Capitals from both, from both you know, the teams from both the Canadian and American capital cities. After well, after DC, the Hogs have a two day break before they start a home and home against the Wild. First game is to be played in St. Paul. Then the Hawks 
playing um, play at home against the uh, Wild. Then the Hawks travel to Buffalo. I will actually be at that game, March 21st. Hawks at Sabres. In case you don't know, I go to Syracuse University. I'm like a, I'm a freshman there. Well, here, rather. So on the 21st, I'll be taking a trip out, a day trip out to Buffalo to catch the Hawks there. I'm really excited for that. Then the next day, the Hawks travel to Nashville to play the Predators. Then they stay at home to play the Penguins, who earlier this year, earlier this season, beat the Hawks for the first time since 2014. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Between 2014 and 2019, the Penguins didn't, win, didn't beat the Hawks once. Not once. It's absolutely insane. Then the Hawks stay home to play the Stars, and then the Kings, and then the Habs. On the 27th, 29th, and 31st, respectively. And that game against the Habs, that's the, that's the Hawks' final home game of the season. Because then on the, tw- on the 2nd of April, the Hawks traveled to New York to play the Islanders at the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale. This is where the uh, Islanders will be playing all of their Stanley Cup playoff games this season, as well as all regular season games next season. So basically, Barclays Center is basically going to be out of commission for hockey. Like, soon. And then on the 4th of April, the Hawks play their final game of the season in at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers. I actually kind of like that matchup for the final day. Because Panarin used to be a Hawk. He plays on the Rangers now. And it's the two Metropolitan teams. Like the Hawks and the Rangers, two original six teams from big cities. I'm really excited for that. But the game, as I said, I'm most excited for... Is the is the game against the Red Wings? Because as you know, that's a big rivalry. Well, as you may know, it's a big rivalry. So, so one more thing before I sign off on this episode of What's Good in Hockey, I'd like to talk to you about something I'm also pretty excited for in terms of hockey. Within within the next week. There will be two games played between the uh, Bruins and the Lightning. These two teams are basically fighting for Atlantic Division dominance. They're both in the top three in the league. Boston is is um, first is the best team in the league right now with 94 points. The Lightning are third place with 87 points. So only seven points separate these two teams. And it's probably... These two games are probably going to be really important in, ter- in determining the destiny of the Atlantic Division. One thing I will say, though, is that Boston probably only needs to win one of those games in order to develop like a good advantage for the uh, division title. I mean, they should win at least one of those games. Because if Boston gets two points from overtime losses... And that still closes Tampa Bay in by two points. So those two games are going to be absolutely important. They're going to have huge playoff implications. And it could also shift momentum one way or the other in the Atlantic Division race. It's going to be a blast. I think this, I think that the end of the season is probably going to be very entertaining to watch indeed. 
Well, I guess that's all the that's well, I that's all I have for today. No, this episode was a little short, Bill. But um, I'll come back tomorrow because today is March second. I'll come back tomorrow with my thoughts on the Hawks and Ducks game. So we'll see how it goes. And that's all I have to say for now. So this is Yell Colin reminding you to watch a hockey game. I should really come up with ending lines like that so I can so it has some variety. All right, see you next time.